0: the award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance, with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio, 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's uh, going well. Uh, Hope you uh, had a good uh, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, boy, (laughs) what a week, right? So uh, just last week when we were sitting here, we were uh, talking about... Uh, kind of the things that were going on um, as far as uh, some preliminary issues with banks. Um, We started off uh, talking about uh, Silvergate, which uh, had failed because um, even though it started out as a good, solid, traditional type of bank um, and lending institution, uh, it converted a couple years ago to cryptocurrency. And um, with the FTX mess, um, it was just kind of the latest casualty, if you will. And then that spun into Friday, what was going on with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, um, and it just uh, snowballed from there. So um, and a very interesting week. A lot unfolded. Uh, we're going to try to um, make sense of it for you. Uh, Joining me in just a little bit, Robert Romano, Vice President of Public Policy at Americans for Limited Government. Uh, They wrote some good pieces on what happened this week. So we'll get, uh, uh, you know, someone's uh, kind of outside perspective and um, and hopefully, if nothing else, as always with the program, you walk away better informed and with more information. Uh, than than what you previously had, especially on this subject. So what we saw is uh, a real mess, as I said, with Silicon Valley Bank. And then on uh, Sunday, we heard Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, say that the uh, federal government was not going to bail out Silicon Valley Bank, but uh, would try to help meet the needs, quote unquote, of depositors. So here's why that's not true that they weren't going to help, they weren't, or excuse me, that they uh, aren't going to bail out and meaning cost taxpayers money. So the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, insures deposits up to $250,000. Many of the companies and individual customers at Silicon Valley Bank had a whole lot more than that. As a matter of fact, I found that the average – I was on a call with uh, one of the biggest banks in the United States of America and really in the world um, early this week. And uh, on that call, I learned that the average account size for Silicon Valley Bank was $4 million. That was the average. They had a lot of technology companies and executives in Silicon Valley that used the bank. Uh, Roku, for example, the streaming service, they had about $300 million in the bank, okay? Obviously, that's a lot higher than the $250,000 FDIC insurance coverage. So what Yellen said was that the government uh, bailouts like those in the 2008 financial crisis would not be considered, thank goodness, um, but there were a wide range of options. So that got everybody curious and wondered how this was all going to work out. Well, it's pretty simple. Um, number one, Janet Yellen is a socialist. And she's been talking about the uh, stupid conversation about equity. And, and I say stupid because it is. Look, Bernie Sanders is a socialist poster boy, and he has been for years wears it on his forehead, doesn't care. In an interview very recently, he was asked, what's the difference between equity and equality? And he couldn't answer it. These people are making stuff up as they go. So Janet Yellen has been talking about, originally it started with income equality, which is impossible. And whenever it's been tried, it's failed. People die, people starve to death. Um, It's just a mess. Go to the library or spend some time researching communism, Marxism, socialism. They're all epic failures. So we have her saying that it's not going to be a taxpayer bailout. Here's how it works. Banks pay into the FDIC insurance fund every year. Now, all of a sudden, you've got these massive amounts of money, billions of dollars, at Silicon Valley Bank, which, by the way, they didn't have a compliance officer for about six months. That's how poorly they were run. Six months, no compliance officers, but they had plenty of time to make commercials about what color people are or people that want to be something other than a man or a woman, or you you can fill in especially out there in silicon valley right i mean it's it's um, it's metastasizing, but out there I mean that's ground zero. no compliance officer they're making commercials and investment and and time put forth in all these other stupid areas while their banks literally swirling around the drain until it finally went down this past weekend. Here's another question. And we're going to talk about this in more detail with my guests in a little bit. Where was the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and their oversight? Where were the bank regulators? Where were the auditors? This isn't something that happened overnight. You start looking at all of this money that's um, put into this bank, knowing that they can't make, it's coming in so fast that they can't make timely investments. Well, not even investments, really first loans. Right. So that's it's simple. The banking model is pretty simple. You give them money. They give you a certain rate of return. With that money you've deposited, they're going to make loans. Car loans, personal loans, mortgages, whatever it might be. And they're going to charge more for that loan than they're giving you for your money. That's how they pay their salaries, that's how they pay, you know, all the tellers and open new branches and pay for those branches that are already there, etc. It's not Complicated. So you see, Silicon Valley Bank and other banks were getting so much money that they couldn't do that. They didn't have time. So instead, they invested that money in uh, government securities, treasuries, uh, mortgage backed securities, whatever it may be. And that was fine until the Federal Reserve started viciously cranking up interest rates because they were so late to the inflation party. And then it just blew up, right? So they sold part of their um, portfolio, their investment portfolio, at a $1.8 billion loss. That's when the lights came on, all the cockroaches started scurrying around, and all heck broke loose, as we know now. So the FDIC transferred all deposits of Silicon Valley Bank, both insured and uninsured, to a newly created bridge bank with a newly named CEO. So why why am I saying that you're still bailing these banks out? Well, if these banks, or excuse me, if all banks are going to have to pay more now into the FDIC to cover these uninsured liabilities now and in the future, it's going to cost these banks more money. Do you think they're just going to eat that? No. You're going to get less interest and or you're going to pay more for a loan. They're not going to absorb that. You're going to pay for that. It's disguised the way they're talking. Janet Yellen, Powell, all of them lying to your, the Biden, all of them lying to your face where it's not going to impact the taxpayer. Yes, it is. You're going to make less money on your deposits, and you're going to be charged more money for your loans because they have to back up via the FDIC these bad uh, these, um, bad banks. Poorly run, you know, again, not focusing on what they should be focused on, Now we've got the insider trading thing where you've got the CEO and the CFO and who knows who else uh, at Silicon Valley Bank selling stock so that they cashed out before it went down and giving themselves bonuses. And in all of their wisdom, Janet Yellen and the FDIC bails out the bank above and beyond the insured deposits is what I mean. That's called moral hazard. Other banks or institutions or businesses or any sector in the economy will look at that and say, man, I wonder if I can take advantage of that. I can do something wrong and I'm not going to get in any trouble. There'll be there'll be no um, no repercussions for what I do. That's moral hazard. And that's what they've created here. So then you start looking at other banks, uh, First Republic Bank, which I'll get to in a minute, Key, uh, Key Bank, Zions, Huntington Bank shares. You started seeing these banks, different banks, you know, getting um, hit, people taking money out, questions being raised. Then you have Moody's, the investor service, which is a credit rating system, who, by the way, if you were listening to uh, the program here with me, Back in 2008, 2009, 2010, when we had the financial crisis and the bank bailout. Remember the $725 billion TARP package to bail out the banks and others, um, major corporations? Uh, Moody's, right up until the very end, was giving all of these um, investments— like uh, derivatives and collateralized debt obligations and all this stuff that had been invented, um, they were giving them A ratings. I mean, they were giving them excellent ratings right until the time they blew up in their face. Why? Because they were being paid by the companies that they were rating. So there was an obvious conflict of interest there. Regulators didn't know what what was going on. So anyway, Moody's this week, I guess, was maybe looking back, maybe learned a little bit from that debacle and said, "Okay, we're going to put several of these banks on review for a potential downgrade after Silicon Valley Bank crashed and burned. So that's what they did. Um they also stated that the banks have significant, uh, significant amounts of deposits that are above, as I just mentioned, the FDIC's insurance threshold of $250,000. So then we come back to uh, Silicon Valley Bank crashes and burns. Then you had Signature Bank up in New York. That wasn't technology as much as it was. Um, you had some crypto there. You had some commercial real estate. Um, and here's look—you can't make this up. Who's on the board of Signature Bank in New York? Barney Frank. You ever heard of Dodd Frank legislation after the financial crisis? <laughs> he's a congressman. It was named after after he's on the board, watching this bank get involved in things it never should have been involved in at a level much, much higher than it should have been exposed to. You can't make this up. These people don't know what they're doing in some of these banks. Now, thank goodness most of the banks out there are well run, have very good CEOs, CFOs, Board of directors, outside consultants. But some of these are just, they think they can do whatever they want. Moral hazard. There's not going to be any consequence. I'm probably not going to get in trouble. Probably not going to go to jail. That's what they tell themselves. So you have Signature Bank, they're taken over by the FDIC. The next one on the radar I I mentioned a moment ago, First Republic, everybody's worried they're going to be the next domino. So what happens? On Thursday, a group of the nation's biggest banks basically swooped in in the afternoon hours on Thursday to rescue First Republic Bank. How did they do that? $30 billion deposit. So you've got First Republic out in San Francisco, same thing, you know, a lot of accounts that are well above $250,000. So a bunch of these banks get together, uh, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, a bunch of them get together, come up with this $30 billion to try to calm everybody down and... Um, and, and they had this nice joint statement from this coalition. Um, and, you know, First Republic, they have over 80 branches across the United States. But again, they have very high net worth individuals. They also had a big boom in uh, deposits during uh, the virus, which we'll get into in more detail with my guest. But this is something that, again, Very, very poor leadership. You can't get a straight answer from this administration on anything. You know, the border has to be closed. Anybody with common sense knows that. This is a country of the rule of law. It's being broken every day down there at the southern border and even up north now. And uh, it's being done on purpose. I watched some of the hearing in Texas this week. It's, it's being done on purpose. When you have a guy who's representing 16,500 border agents, and he agrees with that, that it's being done on purpose, there's not control of the border, agent morale is so bad, not just normally, but there's been 12 suicides. I mean, fact after fact, when you watch these hearings and listen to the colonel of the Department of Public Safety of Texas, hear what he's saying that's going on. And then you take it up, you know, to another area. Okay, take it to the government spending, take it to banking oversight. It's all pathetic. So um, something has to give. Uh, We're going to spend more time on it. I'm going to take a quick break before we get into some of the inflation information that we got um, this week, which is going to play into all this, by the way. So um, we'll do that in just a minute. Stay tuned. Talk to you on the other side.
1: Tri-County Pumps. Are water issues getting you in the dumps? Call Tri-County Pumps. We specialize in a variety of services to help keep it flowing. No water? No problem. Low water pressure? No problem. Water quality issues? No problem. We provide a free water analysis and estimate. How's your water heater? Does it leave you with the chills? No problem. How's your toilet flushing? Not good? No problem. Tri-County Pumps helping you when you're in the dumps over pesky plumbing problems. Call 301-432-0330 or visit tricountypumps.com. Keep it flowing. Hey, listener. Welcome to Lemu's Karaoke Lounge, where Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need, and the music never stops. Hit it. There's an emu with a full-time job. His partner's Doug, but Lemu's the heartthrob. Grubs and worms, that's what Lemu eats. Gotta fuel up to save you money and hit the streets. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, Liberty,
2: Liberty, Liberty. Frederick and surrounding counties are listening to 930. Well, I work on a computer, so I listen to it all day. WFMD.
0: Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Um, so we were talking, obviously, about all the craziness uh, this past week in the banking sector. Uh, one thing I didn't touch on just real quick, uh, quick, cr- uh, Credit Suisse. So Credit Suisse is a uh, bank over in Europe. It's based in um, Switzerland, Um, and, uh, about 25% of their business from what I understand is done here in the United States. Um, same thing. No, uh, really just no confidence in that bank. You had, uh, one of its biggest investors and supporters out of the, uh, national bank in Saudi Arabia say no more. We're not giving you any more money. You know, you're going to have to uh, sink or swim on your own. This isn't just a a money pit that we can put more money in. So uh, then you had a couple days later where the uh, the National Bank uh, in Switzerland came up with, uh, I want to say, fifty four billion, I think is what it was. Uh, So they're trying to stabilize that bank Um, again. First Republic, uh, the big banks here making that uh, $30 billion deposit to uh, try to shore up First Republic. Um, and you still have a lot of unanswered questions. It's a big C word, right? Contagion. People wonder about uh, who has exposure, how they're exposed. Well, first, you know, of course, if. If they're exposed, you look at a lot of these banks, as I mentioned, they are so well run and they make such good decisions, and they don't get out over their skis and make stupid investments and projections and, um, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, if you will. They're just too smart to do that. They understand their uh, customer, how sticky is the money? Is it just going to come in and out in a whim like you see with a lot of these banks like Silicon Valley Um And then they make those good decisions. So um, anyway, that was about Credit Suisse uh, still having their problems. So we've got what's going on with banking. Um, We've got the Federal Reserve meeting next week. Right. So uh, and by the way, when Jerome Powell was before the Senate and the House last week, they purposely waited until his testimony was done i'd bet you if I was a betting man i'd bet you a thousand dollars that they were waiting till he was done. He wasn't in front of uh Congress under oath testifying about the economy and the financial markets. <laughs> they weren't going to say anything about silicon Valley they kept it you know they kept a lid on it because he would have gotten hammered with questions again under oath so um, that was uh, pretty interesting to see how that played out, for sure, the timing. So he spoke last week. We still have a lot of problems with inflation, which we all know because we're paying for it every single day and have been for the last couple of years because of wasteful spending, uh, just negligent spending. And uh, that's jacked up inflation. The Federal Reserve kept interest rates at zero for way too long, saying that inflation was transitory. That was foolish. Um, So anyway, they meet next week, 21st and 22nd. Well, guess what's still a problem that we saw this week? Inflation. So the consumer, uh, the CPI, the consumer piece of it, that that came out from the Labor Department, um, showed that inflation was up four-tenths of 1% in February from the previous month. The CPI is up 6% on an annualized basis, February to February. Just a reminder, the Federal Reserve's inflation target number is 2 and it's at six. You talk, and then you had this, bite, uh, this uh, banking stuff going on that was just dropped in Powell's lap like a hot potato. For real. So how are they going to handle this now? They went from 0% interest rates this time last year to four and a half, eight a half. Eight consecutive increases. And we haven't even had near enough time to see what those increases mean to the economy because it takes a while to work its way through the system. So you've got, last time I looked, about 82% of traders are anticipating a quarter point interest rate hike. There was a lot of talk about a half of a percent because inflation is still a serious, serious problem. We know because we, we deal with it every day. The money that we've lost to inflation will never get back. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Fed deals with this inflation issue. The PPI, the producer price index, came down a little bit last month. That's good. That's at the wholesale level. Hopefully they can pass that on, but it's going to be a while. So um, strap in for uh, for next week as far as what goes on with this meeting with the Federal Reserve and the type of um, type of story they convey. Um, but anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. Robert Romano. We're going to talk about banking uh, in more detail. Stay tuned.
1: Let him go off what you'll ever be. Knowing we won't. To see what the future for you this is 930 30
3: wfmd and wfmd.com now WFMD News. Maryland State Police are continuing their investigation of a fatal two-vehicle crash in Frederick County Thursday afternoon. Just before 3 p.m., troopers were dispatched to Baltimore National Pike west of Easter Day Road near Myersville for a vehicle crash with entrapment and a vehicle on fire. Authorities say a preliminary investigation determined that a Nissan Sentra traveling east along Baltimore National Pike moved into the westbound lanes and struck a Ford F-150 head-on. The pickup was engulfed in flames. Firefighters were able to put out the flames as well as a nearby brush fire. The drivers of both vehicles were pronounced dead at the scene. The Baltimore National Pike was closed for about five hours while state troopers conducted their investigation. A public hearing on how to craft the fiscal year 2024 Frederick County budget was held on th- on Tuesday night. The discussion over spending priorities turned quickly to the $939 million budget request from the Board of Education. Former Councilman Tony Schmelich voiced his strong support for the school system, but was skeptical of the Board of Ed's $938 million budget request. Is more money the answer, or is there a different problem that needs to be solved, that needs to be answered over at the FCPS building across the street? They need more help and support, there's no doubt about that, but money's not always the answer there. Schmelick says he was at the hearing to advocate for fiscal responsibility. And here's a heads up for motorists who normally travel Highland School Road. The road will be closed starting on April 3rd. The Frederick County Department of Highway Operations says crews will be replacing the deck on the bridge that crosses over Little Catoctin Creek. The closure is expected to last for about one month. A detour will be set up. I'm Kevin McManus, WFMD News.
0: I'm Pam
1: Kuso. It's being called justified by President Biden. The warrant issued for his Russian counterpart, wanted for war crimes in Ukraine, Russian President Vladimir Putin. The International Criminal Court issuing an arrest warrant charging him and another official in the abduction of Ukrainian children since Russia's invasion last year. Kids allegedly taken out of Ukraine and sent to Russia. The Kremlin says the children removed for humanitarian reasons and they don't recognize the court.
3: Fox is Greg Palcott. Who is responsible for America's
1: fentanyl crisis? Mexico's president has an idea.
2: President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador says that if Americans want to see a drop in the number of fentanyl deaths, we should hug our children more often.
3: Fox is Gary Baumgarten. He also denies that Mexico manufactures fentanyl. America's listening to Fox News.
1: the 930 WFND Skyscan forecast for Frederick and surrounding counties. As we head into the day, mostly sunny with a high near 50 and west winds 9 to 17 miles per hour with gusts as high as 26 miles per hour. Saturday night, partly cloudy with a low around 26 and west winds 15 to 17 miles per hour with gusts as high as 28 miles per hour. Sunday, sunny with a high near 42 and gusty northwest winds as high as 33 miles per hour. P.J.'s Roofing, when it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. I'm Dan Sutton.
2: 930 WFMD with a Fox Sports update. From the Fox Sports studios in Los Angeles, here's Kevin Figures. For the second time in six years, and for the second time ever, a 16-seat has upset a number one in the NCAA tournament. Fairleigh Dickinson stunned Big Ten champion Purdue 63-58 to 58. Despite 21 points and 15 rebounds for the likely player of the year, Zach Eady, Boilermakers shot just under 36% from the field and turned the ball over 16 times. Fairly Dickinson will take on ninth-seeded Florida Atlantic, who hit a late layup to upset Memphis 66-65. TCU survived an upset scare but held on to beat Arizona State 72-70. Indiana beat Kent State 71-60. Miami, a comeback win over Drake. Victories for Kansas State, Gonzaga, and UConn. In the NBA, Dallas improved to a game over 500 with a one-point victory over the Lakers. 34 points for Jason Tatum as Boston defeated Portland. Joel Embiid scored 38 to lead Philadelphia over Charlotte. Hawks over the Warriors, 127 to 119.
1: Join Mark Patrick seminars, lose the weight or stop smoking, guaranteed. Only $49.99. Seminar Saturday, April 1st at the Hilton Garden Inn in Frederick. Weight loss seminar starts at 11 a.m. Registration 10:30 a.m. Stop smoking starts at 2 p.m. Registration 1:30 p.m. It's your financial
2: editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Highland the road to
0: sweet a thigh, a roo, a roo. the road
1: to sweet a thigh, a roo. A sweet, a thigh, a stick in the hand, a drop in the eye. A dams, a light,
0: cry. Johnny, I hardly knew ya. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get them. And um, maybe you're carrying over your St. Patrick's Day, huh? It's a little bit of bumper music for you. Um, appreciate you being with us as always Uh, and as we've been talking the first part of the program the majority of it is about the uh, the banking drama that uh, we've been exposed to the last uh, 10 or 10 days or so and we want to continue that Uh, joining me uh, my guest today is Mr. Robert Romano he's the vice president of public policy at Americans for Limited Government Um, got his uh, degree from State University of New York at Stony Brook and uh, has some really good articles out on what happened in the banking uh, sector that we'll let you know about in just a minute. Uh, Robert, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it.
1: No problem, Chris. It's great to be on again. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm glad you had time to stop by. So um, I guess just for all of our new listeners, um, just let them know what Americans for Limited Government is all about.
1: Americans for Limited Government, we're based out of Fairfax, Virginia, and it's like it sounds. uh, We want to restore constitutional, limited government um, and get back to the proper functions um, that I believe will lead to the most liberty and the most prosperity um over over the long haul and as human history has proven um that uh, when the government the government that governs least governs best
0: perfect and uh just so everybody knows um if you want resources and follow up to our discussion uh today you can go to getliberty.org a bunch of great information a bunch of free information um so i would encourage you to do that okay robert so obviously um there's no way that we can cover everything that's happened the last ten, eleven days or so, um, and what led up to that, but just give us um uh kind of your take on what happened at Silicon Valley Bank
1: yeah, so uh, on March eighth, the bank put out a statement of quarterly update that stated that it needed to raise about two point two five billion in capital. Uh, And this prompted firms such as Founders Fund to a day later say, hey, you might want to get your money out of there because, especially if you're above $250,000 with your deposits there, And this initiated a bank run that was in response to their need to raise capital. Banks need to raise capital in order to offset losses. Why? On U.S. Treasuries with interest rates up, uh, mortgage-backed securities with interest rates up, the value of those bonds goes down. And this happens at the end of every business cycle. And there's always going to be pressure on banks when the Fed, as is inevitable and as is necessary, needs to raise interest rates in order to curb the inflation, which has been running very elevated. It's still at 6%. um, And that's after printing $6 trillion on the M2 has increased by more than 43% since the uh, COVID um, February of 2020. Um, And then now it's actually down year over year, about 1.9%, and that's only happened, I think, uh, four other times, the Depression, 1921, and then the uh, banking crisis of the 1800s. But leaving that aside... The Fed's going to raise rates in order to, uh, do, uh, you know, to curb inflation, um, and this is the lesson for why not to spend and print so much money in the first place. You get the inflation is expected, and then the disinflation or the for potentially deflation, which is dangerous, I think, to financial systems. Um, in general, um, but I think it uh, underscores, uh, you know, why it's uh, you know you're better off having limited government. Um, and after COVID, we didn't need to come back with another trillion-dollar stimulus, and we didn't need to come back with the uh, whatever green new subsidies that the Biden administration is putting out there. But it's going to put pressure on banks, um, as it did with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and that's uh, that, that that's kind of why it started the bank run. But we're noting in Dodd Frank a perverse uh, incentive to sell the stocks. if you're if, Under the law, the shareholders get nothing. So there's a perverse incentive to sell the stocks now and get some money rather than wait to be put into receivership. And then the shareholders aren't going to get anything. So you'll note that the big banks that are rescuing First Republic Bank right now, they're not buying shares because they know they won't get anything if it goes into receivership. So they're making deposits. This is a I guess they're they're conscious that they could lose everything if they try to uh, shore up capital rather than the deposits.
0: Yeah, and I guess the other thing that's scary, you mentioned Dodd-Frank, and just for our listeners who may not be familiar with that, that's legislation that came after the 2008-2009 financial crisis when you had the big uh, $700 billion-plus TARP package, and then, of course, the government uh, muddied the water even more, with uh, legislation after that, do you have uh concerns that we're going to see the same thing where instead of just getting out of the way, the government is going to try to pass more legislation rules uh, red tape that type of thing?
1: Well, you would hope that I mean the gov- Congress is going to regulate the financial um, system no matter what so if they're going to make rules, they better be good ones and they better be good rules of the road that don't have perverse incentives. Now, we're not saying that uh, shareholders should be backed up. I don't think you could do that. Um, but, I mean, what, what, but the idea that we're implicitly guaranteeing now all of the uninsured deposits nationwide. It's about a bit more than $1 trillion at the private depo- uh, depository institutions out of about $21 trillion of deposits nationwide, so about 5% are uninsured. But when you start factoring in 401k savings, those are not FDIC-insured, but also IRA, individual retirement accounts, that's insured up to 250000 I believe. Um, are we going to go above that and say all the IRAs' uh, uninsured deposits, those are, are guaranteed all of the 401 k are guaranteed all of the uh state uh, federal and municipal pensions those are guaranteed those are people's lifetime savings right we need to ensure all the deposits so that we don't have a collapse and run on these institutions or something like that and i think that's kind of where this is going if we're not careful about what this financial stability board at under dodd frank can actually do which is to take these companies and they basically take their equity Um, And then and and seize the companies. That's exactly what happened over the weekend under the full authority. So if they're going to do anything, they need to reexamine what the the, the disincentives, but also the incentives that are created um, that could be perverse incentives under Dodd-Frank to pull out of equities when banks need to be capitalized.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm Scott Trout, attorney and CEO
2: of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant. If you feel a
1: modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's Fairfax area attorneys. Offices in Fairfax, Virginia and Frederick, Maryland. CordellCordell.com. It can be dangerously easy to steal
2: your identity during tax season because so much sensitive info was all together.
1: Before we start the annual meeting of Sean's personal info, uh, has anyone seen Social Security Number?
0: Not me. Nope. nuh Oh, no. He's been stolen. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor
2: all transactions, but you can save up to 25% off your first year with promo code NEWS at LifeLock.com. Identity theft protection starts here. Maryland Terrapins basketball on Mid-Maryland Sports Leader, WFMD. WFMD. The Terps' next opponent in the NCAA tournament is Alabama. Listen live Saturday night starting at 9 on 930 WFMD.
0: Uh, Our guest this morning, Mr. Robert Romano, uh, Vice President of Public Policy at Americans for Limited Government. Go to getliberty.org. A couple um, articles that uh, Robert wrote this week. Down the rabbit hole is one And 2023, bank crisis, uh, talking about a lot of the things that he's mentioning so far. So what we saw, like you said, over the weekend was Janet Yellen and Biden and everybody come out and say there is no government bailout. You know, the taxpayer is not going to be affected at all with uh, what happened at Silicon and what happened at Signature up in New York. And that was just a a total lie because what people need to understand is – Banks fund the FDIC. If all of a sudden now you've got the FDIC uh, backing above and beyond the $250,000 uh, deposits, uh, their cost is going to go up. And that cost is going to be passed on to customers of the bank, whether uh, lower interest rates on your deposit and or higher interest rates on your loan. Um is anybody going to call them out on this?
1: I have um, Americans for Limited Government is, um, but this is what the law prescribes. They're following the law that was passed um, by, uh, you know, they had a nearly filibuster-proof majority. But thank you, Scott Brown, um, the senator from uh, you know temporary senator from Massachusetts, who got Don Frank across the finish line. Uh, but they're levying financial assessments on the banking institutions as the law prescribes. Um, in order to backstop what is called the so-called orderly liquidation front. But it doesn't seem too orderly to me. It seems like it's causing a lot of chaos um, and, and with these unintended consequences. Now, we were noting at the time in 2010 that this was actually a major threat to the private sector in general, because they can declare anything to be systemically risky, any type of company. It doesn't have to be a bank. It it could be a non-financial company. There's authority to do that, and we were noting that you know they could go in and just take over these companies, and then the people who owned the companies uh, wouldn't end up getting anything. So this, what what are we sliding into here? Is some sort of public banking system? Um, that you know you could do runs on these bank stocks, and then people are going to question the uh, smaller institutions, and then rush into the bigger institutions. So in the lead up to that, you would, you know, maybe a few more business cycles. Right? What if they don't change the law and this keeps happening? You know, every eight years or so. Um, then you know you can you 're going to see right now consolidation people pulling out of the smaller banks and moving into the bigger banks um, and so is that in everyone 's interest not to have community lending or even regional lending i don 't think that 's in anybody 's interest to have such consolidations be incentivized by federal law and so hopefully um, House Republicans will take a look at this and start to figure out what is a better incentive structure here. Um, I mean, at this point, you would have been better off just guaranteeing deposits and not having this so-called orderly liquidation authority where they can take over the companies.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. And and that's the big worry is we're going to have more uh, unnecessary uh, and, and harmful legislation. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up our conversation with our guest today, Mr. Robert Romano. Give out that website uh, address uh, a couple more times for you because you want to take advantage of it. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor of Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just grab it wherever you get your podcast. Wrapping up our conversation with our guest this morning, Mr. Robert Romano, friend of the program. Um, uh, He's vice president of public policy at Americans for Limited Government. You can go to getliberty.org. And uh, check out um, uh, some of his most recent work this week on the uh, banking and financial uh, area. And um, and really just you should uh, kind of book page that uh, site because there's always good stuff. You can get their emails uh, for free. So I would encourage you to do that. So, uh, Robert, as we wrap up, um, where do you think we kind of go from here? Because as you were saying right before the break, We learned how poor a job the government does picking winners and losers during the virus. If they're going to continue to encroach into the private sector, um, what's the impact
1: gonna be? Well, it's dangerous. Um, So if you look at where that $6 trillion they printed um, went to, a lot of it's in treasuries and a lot of it's in mortgage-backed securities. And you've seen a dramatic appreciation of home values uh, since COVID. Uh, And so what are they going to do if those home values start actually declining? Uh, What if you start seeing outright deflation on some of these um, asset classes? I think that uh, that could be very dangerous as it was dangerous in 2007 and 2008. And so what did they do last time? They did TARP, um, you know, and there was a lot of scrambling around. Um, as the Fed then went to zero, um, what did Bernanke do? He started saying, let's just buy all the mortgage-backed securities. Well, during COVID, they bought even more mortgage-backed securities. They're up to $2.6 trillion right now. And if you look around, I think there's 28 million homes under Fannie and Freddie right now. How many of those are they going to have to, uh, you know, become the landlord of going forward? So, you know, they became zombie banks. They were publicly traded and they basically went down to almost zero as the, uh, Congress took control with the conservatorship and every time this happens we're going to have less of a private system it, it now you have it is still in conservatorship basically um and uh, but if you look at the fed's balance sheet 2.6 trillion on mbs well there's about uh, I think Freddie Mac home price has the average home value at about two hundred and sixty five thousand. That means the Fed owns about 10 million houses. <laughs> I mean, do we want the government to own all the land and, uh, you know, as we're, or to be the landlord or to be the, the, uh, the bill collector for everyone? Or do we want to have, you know, and what a what a misallocation of resources if we're just going to pump the money into the system to drive up these home values only to watch them collapse afterwards? What a catastrophe that would be, but kind of a predictable one if you had just not – printed all that money spent all that money in the first place and i mean while the economy was shut down it made a bit of sense to say we need to shore up the small businesses so that there's an economy to come back to once the lockdowns end and that was going to be enormous but we were already fully in recovery um by before trump even left office with the uh, 16 million of the 25 million jobs that had been lost already recovered and then uh, the rest of them have since been recovered uh, without any further actions that ever have been required by congress they needed to sl- uh, slap on the brakes and slow things down and just watch as the economy uh, you know b- blossomed out of that situation instead they said let's speed up the business cycles print and spend more money now we're getting the overheated economy that biden unfortunately deserves. Um, we don't deserve it. We, I, I don't think we voted for them to keep going, keep going, keep going, more money, more money.
0: Yeah, so I was on a call uh, webinar actually uh, at the beginning of the week with one of the biggest banks, not just here in the country, but in the world. And as I was sitting listening to the strategist and uh, those around the table uh, explain, you know, in uh, just in numbers, pure numbers, what had happened and and very similar to what you just said as far as all the spending. And this is the first time I've said this in public out loud. But um, what I realized is, you know, you always hear people talking about root cause, and what I realized is if you really went back, the root cause of where we are right now is, in fact, the virus, because if we yeah. hadn't gotten the virus, none of this other stuff would have happened. We wouldn't have had this shutdown. We wouldn't have right. had all this stupid uh, money printing, etc.
1: Well, yeah, and the shutdowns, the lockdowns, paying people to stay home, the production halts, the supply chain crisis, which was already, you know, kind of tenuous prior to the virus, but then was put on steroids. Um, And then everyone's six uh, months behind on their orders. And then we're going to get a huge crunch on prices when you have too much money, $6 trillion, chasing too few goods, i.e. production halts. Um, and so at that point, you really did need to slap on the brakes. But it's not like we took the $6 trillion and put it back into production to speed everything up. What a misallocation. We said, let's just pump it into asset classes, which is the same thing we always do. What a stupid system. We're just chasing the dollar and interest rates around throughout the whole business cycle so that the, these huge financial institutions can enrich themselves. And then look at all the corruption that results. Um, and in the meantime, you, you, know, you kind of feel bad for the startups if they're the ones who are in the crosshairs with this. Um, it, you know, I, I, I look at it like these depositors are the hostages, and what, the, what these banks are saying is don't hike rates or the economy gets it. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say dailytorch.com. That's where you can find the uh, blog material, uh, my, but the writings, and then Get Liberty is actually where we put our press releases.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks. I know you have another interview to get to, uh, Robert. It was good catching up with you. Thanks for all the great information, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too, Chris. Take care. All right, you too. A lot of good stuff, and like uh, Robert said, you can go to uh, Daily Torch. Um, that 's where you get a bunch of good stuff that 's where his two articles I have right here uh down the rabbit hole twenty twenty three bank crisis a couple good pieces there 'll be more up there for you. You can also go to uh, get liberty um, uh, dot o r g and uh, and get good stuff there and uh, that uh, does it for us we 're out of time so uh we 'll have Robert Owen uh again in the future always enjoy talking to him. And uh we'll stay on top of this as best we can for you. But I think what you're probably sensing and what you heard today is um literally the government has to get out of the way, stop growing, stop interfering, um, stop patting yourself on the back like you're some type of knight in shining armor, or you're because you're providing something you think is imperative, uh, when really if you would just Get out of the way. Give people their tax money back, uh, the majority of it, and let them figure out life for themselves. Um, they're going to do much, much better than where they find themselves right now. Well, uh, okay, so I'll talk with you on the Morning News Express uh, Monday through Friday. Those are live conversations, five fifty, six fifty, seven fifty, 650, 750, with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. And then we'll be back here um, next Saturday for another uh, edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.
1: them the brain